I'm Casey Lanko. And I'm Tim Johansson. And welcome to Psychology at Work. In most cases, strengths and weaknesses are two sides of the same coin. A strength in one situation is a weakness in another, yet often the person can't switch gears. It's a very subtle thing to talk about strengths and weaknesses because almost always they're the same thing. Who would you guess said this? Michael Dukakis. Michael Dukakis. Wasn't that the guy who spelled potato wrong? Potato, potato. We're aging ourselves. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> no, this was. Uh, do you want what? to try? Yeah. Uh, no, not Lauren Michaels. <laughs> no, that was Brett Michaels. No. <laughs> Lots of good '90s references, but oh. this was Steve Jobs. Oh. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs. So. So I got the era right. A little, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> A little lengthier than most of our opening quotes, but in most cases, strengths and weaknesses are two sides of the same coin. So obviously, this the the word in here, strengths, mm-hmm. um, kind of what we're going to talk about today, uh, and we'll I think we'll revisit this, uh, what Mister Jobs had to say here mm-hmm. a few times, but maybe it might be helpful to begin our discussion. Where does this whole idea of strengths, I mean, it's all over probably the yeah. past, I don't know, at least 10 years. Oh, yeah. But certainly 20. Well, certainly Clifton came yeah. up with. But even before Strengths-based interviews. Yeah. Strengths really he, kind of I think he came at it from a practical business side of it. Yeah. He didn't have a necessarily a, a psychology background all the way, but. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I don't. I don't good. know. He just asked people what they're good at, <laughs> and there's there is and a, what they liked. I think too, right? Well, in the in the in in the interview tool, he made first. Okay, what are you good at? And good. then he asked people and had them talk about it, and then they matched people what they were good at, self-report to different parts of jobs, and it actually worked. And so there is there is some there's a lot to learn from it. Yeah, and. And I do think on one level, we don't focus on strengths enough. On -hmm. another level, we can over-rely on them in different situations when we might not access something other, some other part of, of who we are. Well, it's, it's kind of in the, I think the, the rub is around, how do I know what does the context need from me and around prioritizing what. What strength do I need to bring right now? And I think that's sort of the core question that that I think we're going to unpack about when using strengths is helpful. We have a we have clarity around that answer. When it gets in the way, we lo- we don't have clarity around what do I need to bring. Which is kind of what he's getting at here. Mm-hmm. Um, a strength in one situation is a weakness in another. Yet often the person can't mm-hmm. switch gears. And I, I realize think- I didn't answer your question. Where did strengths come from? Yeah, I think I before we did. get into all that contextual yeah. stuff, which is extremely important, yeah, yeah, even the word strengths, it, it's kind of like, I don't know, 
saying communication like it's yeah. so big what does it mean yes. what what are what are people talking why are about? we having conflict well we're not communicating we're right not using our strengths what do we need to work on as a team yeah. communication, communication. Which doesn't mean anything. yeah yeah um it, well and in fact it means too many things that's that's kind of the problem yeah. so there's lots of ways to look at strengths yeah and i you know we conceptualize them in in one particular unique way um Kind of like you were getting at, though, where when Clifton began this mm-hmm. journey strength, if you will, strength of journeys, journey of strengths. I don't know. Um, that one. He was kind of the pretty business simplistic applied business world. Yeah, yeah. And pretty simplistically, what's something you like doing and you're pretty good at? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, and I think, really, that's how a lot of people conceptualize strengths. Right. I like it and I'm good at it. Yep. So it's a strength. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it certainly makes sense. But when we bring in sort of the psychological piece, I think we're getting into this. There's a little bit more foundational, theoretical mm-hmm. underpinning, kind of out of positive psychology. Positive psychology, um, which I know you've mm-hmm. done a little bit more digging well, into. Martin Seligman, yeah, mm-hmm. really started the school of positive psychology. From an initial study on what he called learned helplessness, which is studying, I think he actually started studying dogs with learned helplessness. And if we spend a minute to kind of understand that, it puts a frame around what became the opposite side of that coin, which was learned hopefulness or learned optimism. But learned helplessness, there's an actual phenomenon that occurs when... A being, because we are all relational beings, when a being is in need of help mm-hmm. from something else, from another being, and it, it doesn't get it, it starts to lose its own sense of agency. Mm-hmm. And so it realizes, I'm not going to get help. And this is really short summary, but from that place of I am helpless comes depression, isolation, ultimately lack of significance and purpose. Mm-hmm. And that state of learned helplessness is really a difficult place to be, certainly a difficult place to be productive. Mm-hmm. And what causes it simply is abandonment in, in the largest sense of the word. Because you start to believe all these things, right? right. All if I'm abandoned, maybe I, that's all I should be, right? And, Don't deserve and, help, all right. this stuff. So we, he didn't want to stay there, right? Seligman didn't, because I don't know why not. Well, <laughs> it sounds <laughs> terrible, but so much of other aspects or or schools of psychology have come out of the deficit mindset. Yeah, staying in. Well, what's wrong with the person? Yeah. Clinical psychology as a treatment focus. Positive psychology was a response, a whole school of understanding people through a psychological lens that was a response, almost a reaction in some ways, mm-hmm. to that deficit-based mindset. Mm-hmm. And so learned optimism was essentially a whole way of understanding a framework for what's the antidote to learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. And from that place, a huge 
focus became instead of a deficit mindset it became a strengths-based mindset what am i good at and there's a lot of access to affirming messages to yeah. a language of communicating with other people around what my skills are and mm-hmm. what i can bring and i think that starting point that was the initial response to to the deficit-based framework was was a really good first step and some of the interventions from that yes were, were simply in, again sort of in that clinical setting where mm-hmm. it comes from rather than starting out by asking a client what's wrong with you yeah <laughs> to flip it and say what's going what's really going well, well. <laughs> yeah what's going well what do you what do you really bring to the table mm-hmm. here that could actually be helpful yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i think that first response that paradigm shift to what are the assets what are the mm-hmm. i think a lot of people are in need of that paradigm shift yeah and and i think you'll kind of talk about it in a minute here maybe that initial paradigm shift really really matters mm-hmm. and that isn't the same thing as what can i change well in in some ways what it does in a mm-hmm. sense is it almost instantly starts to provide some layer of hope. Yeah. Which is a, a necessary factor Yep, in any kind yep. of change. There has to be some hope. Yep. And so just kind of reframing away from everything that's wrong into, well, there's probably right. at least one thing that's going well. Yeah. I think it fits too with, I know people may not all love the sports analogies, but... Mm. But if you look at teams and organizing teams in a performance-based setting, Mm -hmm. sports offers a nice laboratory to study. Sport, even. Sport. Yeah. (laughs) But there's a quote, and I don't remember who it was about. I think it was some coach talking about um, maybe Bear Bryant, the the Alabama football legend. Okay. And he said it in his Texas twang, which I won't try to duplicate. But he's he's good. He can beat he can beat you with his, and he can beat his with yours. He can beat. Do it one more time. He so. can beat you with his, and then he can turn around and beat his with yours. Okay. He can beat you with his team, and he could turn around sides and go beat his team with your team. Okay. And what he was getting at actually is that that coach and good coaches can take what they've got on their team and organize it yeah. in a way to get them to be the most effective they can be. Right. So getting stuck on, okay, we're not any good at running the football, but we're really good at passing. Well, let's go figure out how to mm-hmm. pass. Do that. Yeah. Yep. And it changes from season to season what the talent is. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's really important as a leader to first look at where are my core talents and mm-hmm. who are the people on my team that have, where are their talents aligned and get them in the right spots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how you get to, that's step one of high performance. To grow and develop and continue to add more skill more strength more behaviors that's when simply saying okay i'm satisfied with my current level of growth and i'm done that's where it can get in the way Mm -hmm. 
kind of like the, well, I'm a high D, so people need to deal with it. Right. From a leadership perspective, step one always needs to be where are the talents and skills and let's get them put in the right spot. Yeah. You have to put the people in the right spot. Well, and it, it's it's common sense, right? Because mm-hmm. as you were pointing out, sort of the the really simple thing that Clifton had done in mm-hmm. terms of asking people, what do you like to do and what are you good at? Right. And then have them do that, and sure enough, they do it pretty mm-hmm. well. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it makes so much sense because right. obviously when we feel competent, right, that's a core basic yes. need that we all have to feel like, Yes. We're doing something well. And and you get into that positive reinforcement loop. Right. Right. And and so when we, we people we need that. Connect that to engagement. Of yeah. course you're going to be more engaged mm-hmm. when you feel like you're doing something well. Right. Right away. Cause like you said though, there's a plateau effect. Right. You can do something really well, really well then you will reach a point of mastering it, likely, right? And it doesn't matter what it is, right? Whether it's making spreadsheets or giving speeches, whatever it is, you, you're, you're good at it, and you reach a point where, wow, I've really got mm-hmm. this. I don't need to think about it anymore. Yep. Then engagement starts to dip. When you're in the fixed mindset. Right. The growth mindset is how do I make it better next time? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think you're getting at with we can be in a fixed strengths-based mindset. And a fixed strengths-based mindset leads to the plateau effect. Yeah, and I you know, I think I'll probably get in trouble a little bit, but the I think that's kind of where this much of the strengths-based movement maybe stops is let's identify your strengths, and there's lots of ways of doing that, and I still Mm -hmm. want to circle back and clarify what we think of strengths as. And then, well, just do your strengths. These are your strengths. Lean into them. Do them, and everything will be good. And, And there's literally, that's out there, that... You just need to focus on your strengths, and everything will take care of itself. Right. And that's a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just go on record. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I don't like it is because I don't think by saying that to someone, we're really being honest about what that trajectory really is. Because mm. there's going to come a point, as we've just laid out in a sense, in more ways as well, where that doesn't really do it all the way. Right. Where, just as Mr. Jobs states in his opening quote, or the quote that we used to open the show, a strength in one situation is a weakness in another yet often the person can't switch gears. Right? right. So if we're telling people, well, know your top strengths and just leverage the crap out of them. That works until the context shifts. Right? I think it's, is it mm-hmm. your son TJ actually? So that works until it doesn't. <laughs> right? It sounds like him. And it's perfect because it's true. That's going to work until you're in a situation where it until doesn't. Until it doesn't. 
Yeah. Then what? Yes. Um, and so maybe before we go too much further, because, you know, it's all about context, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. the strength piece. Maybe helpful to, uh, one of my favorite words, kind of I operationalize. Add, yeah, I want to add one thing to that. Sure. The context, because it, it, it came, comes to mind. Part of why it's so relevant today Versus 20 years ago, 30 years of 40, whatever. Yeah. The work context, yeah. on average, for somebody who is of the baby boomer generation, they will have changed 2.5 jobs. Right. Good. 2.5. So they're going to make, on average, two to two and a half. Excellent point. Changes of context. That's what they're used to. Yeah. People in their late 20s and 30s today, seven. Right. An average of seven changes. At least, and I think that's even going up. Right. So you're almost at this point where the work context, the role that you're in, it, it's going to change almost three times as, as often. Mm-hmm. So I think a huge skill, actually, is learning how, when I get in this new context, how do I apply these strengths in this new way? Mm-hmm. And that gets to what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. It might not be the same way. Right. And I might need to use other ones. And I might need to use this one a little bit less and this one a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Right. And I might need to work on accessing other parts that aren't natural to, to my style, but still yeah. accessible to me because I'm a human. So you said a couple words there yeah, that kind of, I think, segue well into where I would like us to go. You talked about natural. You mm-hmm. talked about style. Yeah. You talked about disposition. You didn't actually use that word, but I'm just introducing it. <laughs> I think I, I, I meant to. <laughs> you meant to, yeah. <laughs> but those kinds of words, um, I think, really set up well sort of how we would conceptualize mm-hmm. strengths. And, and just to be clear, um, our measure of personality, WSQ Discovery, there's a strengths report, a specific report all about your strengths. What are your strengths? Based yeah. on sort of a global comprehensive measure of personality. Yeah. And so what we're saying is, and you feel free to expand, is that there's a, there's a strong connection, um, and maybe I'm putting it lightly, between quote-unquote strengths and our underlying personality yeah Yeah. personality in the way that we conceptualize it which um you can learn more about in whatever episode. that was my favorite episode not the listeners more than just traits (laughs) i think it's called yes more than just personality more than just traits and i think our word uh adopting the word strength yeah for us we were very thoughtful in deciding how we want to articulate that because yeah. we want to highlight and build on positive psychology mm-hmm. and we absolutely advocate and are operating from we don't we don't operate out of a deficit based mindset it doesn't no. help we operate out of asset based mindset so we get that we want to build on that but we also, as psychologists, understand that competencies and intelligences mm-hmm. are s- and skills and abilities mm-hmm. are separate 
not completely, but they're different things than than the stuff in the domain of personality. Yeah. So we would put the word strength into the domain of personality as a more naturally occurring set of behaviors that mm-hmm. you might access. And that's, I think, the key, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the naturally occurring behaviors, yeah. right? Yep. So, you know, if we think of all the, the variety of personality traits and characteristics and, and even those underlying pieces that we yeah. would add, the higher one is on a particular trait that means it's just kind of sitting there for him all the time. Yeah. Right. Yep. Whereas if I'm low on a particular trait, it's not readily available necessarily. It doesn't mean yeah. I can't do it. Right. Just like we've talked about in the past. So we reserve the word ability mm-hmm. and skill for the capacity to acquire new behavioral, new behaviors outside of the ones I'm naturally going to use and so maybe just to give some examples and uh, yeah we can invoke ourselves so my <laughs> actually a lot of our strengths based on our own uh profiles profiles yeah um revolve around uh, the visioning cluster mm-hmm. and we share a lot of that of course we have differences but so for example based on our Model one of my strengths and probably one of yours is what we call diffusement. Yes, right. So the strength of diffusement. Yes, connected to the 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 facet of extroversion. Yep, known as humor. Yep, right. So when we look when we expand that facet and that trait to behavior, right, it's really knowing. In the moment, kind of when to maybe infuse humor into a situation, maybe to diffuse tension, exactly. bring up the mood, offer some levity. Yep. That's a behavior. Yep. Right. And it's easily, almost readily accessible to us. To the both of us. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. those that trait is so prominent. And we're used to it. Yep. yep. Don't even have to think about it. No. Maybe should think about it more sometimes. We should, both of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's that's, that's what Josh point. was getting at, yes. right? Yes. yes. That's really easy for me to do. I'll just do that all the time. Okay, before right. you know it, I'm defending everyone who's listening because I don't Did have you say a shut up valve. Yeah. <laughs> there, every moment yep. is not necessarily the most appropriate moment. He's in need of diffusion. Right. I would argue most probably are, but, um, but again, I think that's a wonderful example. example. Like, so we're both high on humor and I would love the opportunity to just use that 24 seven. Be easy. Be great. Right. Be lovely. Also wouldn't probably be that effective. And And if you can, and if you can never use it. Yeah. You feel underutilized. Probably not in the right spot then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're saying it's both. Both and. <laughs> Almost both like and. it depends. Almost. <laughs> How do you know what strengths to use, Casey? Well, <laughs> thanks for the softball <laughs> toss up there. I, I will answer your question. <laughs> But I'm going to pivot first like a good yes. politician and just... Answer the question you want to answer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and just 
do I make sure I stay on my talking point? Yes. Just to clarify. Yeah. So again, when we're talking about strengths, what we're really getting at are what are those prominent sort of characteristics yep. that are sitting there in you? Yep. Meaning you don't have to work very hard at. Mm-hmm. They just naturally come out. And then what what's kind of the most effective behavior associated of with that. that characteristic? Yeah. So strengths have their own name yeah. separate from traits. Right. To to really delineate all the positive parts of that particular quality and how it's expressed how it's expressed when you use it best yeah Mm -hmm. so and intelligence and skill Mm -hmm. would be two other tools Mm -hmm. that we have Mm -hmm. that help us learn what other strengths to access that we might not naturally grab and certainly Intelligence and skills have strengths associated with them as well. Yep. Right? I mean, obviously, you know, the the higher someone's intelligence level, mm-hmm. if you will, the higher the likelihood that they can more easily reason through a situation, right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think what I'm getting at is with when you when people hear strengths-based tools, assessments, that kind of thing, uh, it's not intelligence. Uh, yeah. That's very important. Right. And I think That's because people point. read it and they look at their lowest strength and they go, well, I'm no good at that. Or I'm, you know, yeah. all the other words that they might say to themselves. And that's not what any of the strengths-based tests are actually getting at. No. Right. So if you any strengths-based thing you take and it's not you, an you get your list, thing. right? The one on the bottom, that doesn't mean you can't do it. Right. Or that you don't have that strength. Or that you're not smart enough to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We would say, and we've said this many times, all strengths, maybe I'll hedge it a little bit. Most strengths mm-hmm. are really available to pretty much most people. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. There, there are, you know, we talked about some of the boundaries and what can get in the way. But in terms of general population, um as we've talked about, all behaviors are available to all people. Mm-hmm. Some might come more naturally. Others, you would have to be more intentional and work harder at. So I think we've made the case that, yes, your top strengths are those. They're just play those naturally. Yeah. Don't have to think much about them. You're probably going to go to them without even yes. thinking. And you can't say you can't do the bottom ones. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Not allowed can't say it so we're gonna i'm gonna say my favorite thing begs the question mm-hmm. <laughs> what um you are you asked already how do we know mm-hmm. what strengths to leverage or try to use or access whatever kind of language we use yeah in the given moment in the context that is the pivotal question that helps people take the wonderful step one of moving to an asset-based framework mm-hmm. and then move to and add on to that a growth mindset, Yeah, which is saying, what does the situation need from me? Yeah. To me, and we, we, we talked a lot about this in the seminar that we do, that's the core of collaboration. Yeah. Is really... Knowing what 
the context is, meaning the project, yep. the situation, and then being able to take a step back and answer that question, what does this project need from me? Mm-hmm. Right. I think something so wonderful about that simple question mm-hmm. is it is it reorients our view away from the self yeah to the situation yeah and you can't be selfish if you're asking that question can't be well uh, honestly if you're asking that question right honestly yeah it's hard to it's hard to get stuck inward and i don't mean introversion but i mean that that inward versus what does this need for me? Well, yeah, because the opposite of that, or, or where I think where we often might come at it is, well, here's what I can offer. Right. Right. These are my strengths, so this is yeah. what I could do for the project. Mm-hmm. Well, so is the implication then, if the project doesn't need any of those things, that it, you're that not going to do anything? <laughs> right. It really interfaces with responsibility. Mm-hmm. So what does the project need from me? Versus, this is what I'm willing to bring to the project. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, if the project doesn't need it, then go find someone else. And so what that really means is it, it kind of gives credence to the importance of really effective project planning. Yeah. Right. A- as a team. Because if... If everyone on the team has a different understanding of what the project is, mm-hmm. what the goals are, no one can answer that question, right? Or they're answering it maybe just in their own mind. Yeah, right. And they're guessing. They can answer they're it, guessing. but everyone's going to be looking at this from a different yeah. context. And um, you know what came up for me, and it's really interesting as we're having this discussion in this moment around what does the project need from me, there's also... Um, freedom in that question. Yeah. Because, you know, depending upon, of course, where you work, the size of your organization, the size of your team, all this stuff, you might come to the conclusion that this particular project maybe doesn't need much from me. Right. And, you know, and, and without taking a step back sometimes and really looking at that, a lot of us, I'll certainly put myself on the table here will just default to thinking that every project needs a lot from me all the time sure that's almost never true right but in order to really figure out what it is it's it's to take a step back and ask that question and then to really discuss it right with everyone on the team yeah because the i'm convinced that what one of the ingredients that will make a project successful or not is that everyone on the project has the same or as close to the same as is possible understanding of what it is and what the goal is. Mm-hmm. I think so often what derails projects is everyone has a different picture of what the end goal looks like mm-hmm. what's the purpose how it connects and the collaborative effort gets derailed quickly not because people don't want to contribute 
but because everyone's looking at it differently. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden everyone goes in their own corners and so I just do it my way. And then all of a sudden there's four different projects going on. Yes. Um, kind of going off the strengths piece here. But but I, I think in order to know what strengths to leverage or to learn and try yeah. to grow, you just have to always answer that question or at least ask it and try to answer mm-hmm. it. That's a key piece of effective leadership, mm-hmm. being able to bring clarity to that. Yeah, whoever owns the project, you know, mm-hmm. that's a that's probably the most important component mm-hmm. in that owner role. Is okay. What are we actually doing here? What are we trying to accomplish? So, what does the project need from me? And I think a leader can really help clarify what the intent the larger why and what the the picture of the outcome is yeah and can help each person come to a spot of kind of gauging where their level of clarity is at right. around what their role is but i think it's helpful very helpful to on teams to know what the other team members are bringing yes yeah. Right. And I know I always go back to football, but the last thing you want in football is to have your linemen trying to run out, catch a pass. Right. And have your running backs For lots of try to throw the ball. Yeah. Right. But you need to know and have a sense of what the other one's doing. And that's where I think trust gets built when yeah. you see them do that. Yeah. So I think a few things to kind of wrap things up here a little bit. One would be. It's important to know your strengths because I think mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, for lots of reasons, whether you're preparing for an interview or trying to figure out, you know, how mm-hmm. you fit with mm-hmm. the role, what are, there's lots of reasons. And, you know, it, it, it can be tricky, actually, mm-hmm. to tease out, is this a strength? Is this just something I'm... I'm kind of good at, so I default mm-hmm. to it. You know, wh- wh- how does that all tease out? And so taking time to really kind of figure out, you know, what are my core strengths? Um, and, and in what context are they useful? Which would come second, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Like, I think, I truly think step one in all this strength stuff, what are they? What are they? Figure, figure yeah. it out. Um there's a really good assessment. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> like there the best is. one. Yes. Yeah. But obviously there's lots of them out there. Um, of course, we're biased. But And then after that, to I go into my mother bias, which is I think we always have to, the more aware we are of what's getting in the way, mm-hmm. the more effective we can be. And so to, as Mr. Jobs points out, and, and I tell all of my coaching clients that strengths are always double-edged swords, right? Yeah. So, yes, what are the ways that this can get in the way? And just be aware of that. And um, it's always a good thing to dig deeper. Well, and I think for a leader in building their team, following this order is really key. So what are my strengths what context do they really fit in? And that's going to inform the kind of team you need to build around you. Mm-hmm. And for the person who's a team member, knowing 
what you can easily bring to the table and then mm-hmm. knowing what you're going to have to work harder on yeah. will increase the likelihood that you're going to be able to contribute mm-hmm. always. Yeah. Not just on the things that you like or <laughs> are easy for you. So understand what they are. And then as we talked about, always, always, always. It, you know what I love about this context piece? Yeah. It's it's really rooted in my default response to every question. I know. We set it, it up. It depends. It depends. I didn't that make com- that up, you know. No. Someone told me, a professor told me you in just, graduate school. You that, just that's, perfected that's it. That's the right answer for any psychologist. Yes. Well, yes, it depends. Well, we had a oral exam that I sat in on just the other day, and I was one of the committee members, but the chair was giving feedback. He told the student after they passed, um, they need to add one word to their vocabulary, and it would help them quite a bit. You, this was your feedback? No, this was the chair's feedback. Okay, good. He's a behaviorist, Whoa. but a good one. He said... It would really help if you added the word maybe. Yes. <laughs> yes. The person said when. He goes, always. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you know, when that, should I use maybe? Always. <laughs> that's so interesting. I'm similarly, so I'm um, chairing an integration paper mm-hmm. and the f- most of my feedback was you 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 can't state these findings so, so definitively, so definitively. cuz there's always mm-hmm. possibilities that this isn't going to apply to every person every situation mm-hmm. i wonder if that's kind of a developmental piece i suppose i think it is well i th- imagine learning something in applying it and then being told, well, it works almost always, but not always. Then <laughs> it's like, okay, well, when does it work? Most of the time. Well, yeah, that's not that. satisfying to a new learner. But the ambiguity is wonderful. But it get when you're trying to master one thing, then you're told, well, yeah, but there's there's more. Wait. And then, oh, there's more. And I think it's exciting. Oh, it's wonderful. If you can get out of the prove-it mindset. I think it goes to show that a core endeavor in life, (laughs) or perhaps, here we go, toward... Mm. uh, Say no more. (laughs) (laughs) Or on becoming (sighs) our best selves, or toward... Finding Nemo. Contentment in Nemo. It's really, it doesn't yes. matter what context you're in, gaining comfort with, with yeah. some ambiguity. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that nothing matters. No. But and way. when you say it depends, usually that's the beginning to what you're going to explain. Yeah, there's something. There's there, always probably. something there. But... Um, <laughs> In some ways, if I say that first, then people can't say I'm wrong. (laughs) Well, I said it depends. (laughs) All right. It depends. And so um, (laughs) I think we have to go to some meetings. So maybe we'll we'll wrap it up there. Um, Of course, we'll have uh, in the listening guide a little bit more concrete uh, guidance on 
figuring out what your strengths are, but then kind of questions to ask around, well, how do I figure out the context mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of uh, what what strengths to access and which ones to try to access a little bit more? Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, we're into season two here already. Mm. Um, second episode and several more to go before we say goodbye to 2019. Um, So thank you for listening. Really appreciate your engagement with us on all of the social platforms. Keep uh, liking and commenting um, and give us feedback uh, on all things Psychology at Work. We love to hear how your work is going for you, how your process and journey of discovering significance and purpose is going. And uh, be sure to continue to enroll your friends because it's way more fun to listen with others. I've been just taking people's phones and doing it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's easiest. Mm -hmm. Funnest, too. Yes. Well, that's my assertiveness. You can't help it. No. Right. Give me your phone. We'll talk to you. Drive safe.